Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Off and running In the Booth on a Thursday, beautiful day here in CNY. A little cooler for those of you uh, concerned about the temperature and the humidity in the Carrier Dome last Saturday can say with a fair degree of certainty it won't be quite like that this week because of the days leading up are a little bit uh, more temperate, a little breeze going, and uh, temperatures in the uh, lower 60s at last check. So beautiful early fall day, late summer day. Makes you think about some football. Seth, with the uh, baseball update there, the Yankees so far so good, would need to sweep this series against the Red Sox to keep Boston from celebrating the clinching of the East Division at Yankee Stadium, and uh, it's Gone the Yankees' way each of the first two nights of the series, and Tanaka-san on the mound tonight. Keep an eye on that when we're over at the Press Room Pub tonight. It is the American Dino Babers Show. Our guest will be Kim McLeod, the Orange's assistant head coach and cornerbacks coach. He'll check in near the end of the program, can get his thoughts on not only his own team, but really the situation that UConn is in with some youth uh, on that defense and how it has uh, bothered them so far. And we will also keep an eye on that uh, Jets and Browns game, the start of week three in the NFL. So lots happening. You can join us by phone today if you'd like at 437-7644. That's 315-437-7644. Randy Etzel, the head coach of UConn, will be our guest later on the show today. Looking ahead to tomorrow's show, we'll have tickets to give away. We'll do pick six for that. So get your uh, trivia cap or your pop culture cap ready to go, and uh, we'll present tickets to uh, at least one set of winners tomorrow. I have my own personal tickets tomorrow, Polly, that maybe we'll throw into the mix as well to uh, sweeten the pot and have uh, multiple winners if we can uh, swing that for tomorrow. And then Joe Morris will be on tomorrow's show ahead of uh, his number 47 being honored at the Dome on Saturday. I wonder if your tickets are better than the ones we actually give away. Uh, probably not. If they're from uh, the Bill Rapp family and I'm sure they have fantastic seats. So uh, I did see the guy that we gave him to last week. Yeah, uh, it was a cluster. What getting the tickets? Yeah. To oh, for some they got lost in translation. That's not good. Last week, but we got him in. Good. He somehow got my phone number. Oh, that's right. You said that on the day <laughs> of the game they had a problem, but no. Uh, last Friday night they had the uh, 44 block party here downtown, and I ended up running into the guy going into uh, one of the establishments. I was going in. He was coming out, and uh, he said, hey, I, got, I won those uh, tickets earlier today. So, But then I'd forgotten. He said there was some complication. I found it weird that day. somebody gave him my phone number. Like, Yeah, I don't know why anybody would want your phone number. Or he had it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> but he was texting me when we got him in. Okay, good. All's well that ends well. It was well. definitely a poly yeah. joint. It was well, a complete mess. Uh, I can understand. That's pretty much a given. <laughs> And uh, good that he enjoyed the game with whoever he brought and an historic uh, win against Florida State on Saturday. You know, as as my week goes along and the various things I've got to do and kind of uh, at home at night is when I turn my attention to game prep. And so, as you might imagine, I've 
gone a little deeper in layers and have a little more of an understanding of the opponent each week by the time we get to and maybe Tuesday night, Wednesday night, certainly Thursday night. And the this thought popped in my head last night, and it's not to alarm anybody or, or to be wishy-washy on it. I think Syracuse will win this game handily. I think they should be a big favorite, et cetera. But having a little conversation with somebody on the way home yesterday and then doing some UConn homework, I hope people understand that a lot of teams would have gone 0-2 if they opened with Central Florida and at Boise State. Oh, yeah. That's... I'm not saying Syracuse would have, and I'm not saying they would. Obviously, they wouldn't have given up 700 yards a game and and basically failed to stop them at all. But let's not go super overboard. UConn's not good. Their uh, personnel obviously is being rejiggered here, playing a ton of freshmen. 31 underclassmen have played. They have only two fifth-year seniors on the entire team. So. In, in terms of personnel, Syracuse has far better personnel. Connecticut's a long way off. I just kind of wanted to uh, point that out, that their first uh, couple of games out of the gate were a little bit more difficult than uh, a lot of teams' first two, and certainly Syracuse's first two games, to uh, play a Central Florida team that was unbeaten last year, started this season ranked number 21. That was 56-7. to And then Boise was run off the field. I'm sorry, uh, UConn was run off the field at Boise State, 62-7. to So, yeah, a lot of teams might have gone 0-2. Boise was not competitive in uh, – or keep flipping that. UConn was not competitive in those uh, two games. Dino Babers, when referring to uh, UConn so far, point out, well, something similar to what we said yesterday. Their stats are atrocious. Number one – that stands to reason, given uh, where they are from a roster management standpoint. But you never know when you line up against a young team. Played both of those teams; they're ranked. They're going to get after you a little bit, and their twos are going to be really, really exceptional, which can really push some of those numbers up. They had a big; they had the win this year, this week. It was a high-scoring affair, but their defense came in with enough stops so they could win the game. No doubt they're young. The stats don't look great on defense, but you never can underestimate a young team because they just don't know they're not supposed to, and we've got to come in and do the things that we need to do so that we can be smiling when this thing is all said and done. Well, uh, he keeps kind of alluding to this growing idea, too, of the post-game locker room celebration, and Syracuse wins Saturday. Yes, they'll be 4-0 for the first time since 1991. I wouldn't expect a raucous uh, straight-to-YouTube a post-game celebration uh, from winning this one, but uh, that's kind of what he means. We're talking about being happy instead of being sad at the end of the game and and uh, changing that tor- sort of attitude and the expectation uh, for what the mood will be come about 8 o'clock Saturday. It's a 4 o'clock kickoff. Our coverage begins on the network uh, with uh, Brian and Julian Wiggum at, uh, on the quad on TK99. They're at 2 o'clock, and then uh, we'll continue – to proceed from there, you can hear the game, of course, on TK99 and uh, ESPN Radio at that time. Stephen Fani and Julian will take things over at uh, 3 o'clock and uh, proceed for the next hour. Adam Terry we had on the show yesterday. He'll join Gomez and Lisa three hours out down at the uh, Sheridan on uh, University Ave leading up to a 4 o'clock game. The Orange and Connecticut Syracuse looks for its third straight win against UConn. The UConn coach is Randy Adsel. He'll join us later in the show. Nice job by Nate Mink at uh, Syracuse.com catching up with Randy and uh, 
Really good work on the insights. It's so far a two-part piece that Nate has put out there. Part one was the stories of a lot of former players when uh, there were really good future NFL players here at the time, and Randy Edsel recruited a lot of them. Uh, Marcus Paul, John Flannery, Kevin Mitchell, guys that won a lot of football games and are some of the best players in uh, program history. They've got great insight into Randy, and today's story was a what if. What if instead of Paul Pasqualoni, Randy Edsel got the job here in 1991? Well, 91 has been in our minds this week and could continue to be because that's the last time the Orange started the season 4-0. and It was Coach Pasqualoni's first four games, uh, winning at that time on the heels of, of Coach Mack's great run and Coach Mack at that time on to the New England Patriots. We will touch on that when we continue. What are your mem- memories of Joe Morris? Would you like to share those with us at 4 ESPN 44 Four three seven seven six four four Little Joe to get honored on Saturday in the Dome with number 47 and uh, one exceptionally productive running back in uh, Syracuse football history. All of that's ahead as we continue In the Booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the Booth here until 3 o'clock today. Randy Edsel coming up in just a bit. Joe Morris on tomorrow's show. Show brought to you as always by Marriott Syracuse downtown. You can join us by phone at 4 ESPN 44. Asked uh, Dino Babers this week about Eric Dungy and Tommy DeVito both. Tommy DeVito wears a clear plastic visor. With us unbeknownst you know, to any actual eye problems or any of that, but uh, Dungy apparently had a finger and or some turf pebbles in his eye uh, that prohibited him from playing the second half of the FSU game on Saturday. So we asked Babers, would Dungy consider wearing a visor? You know, I'm not sure. With the eye getting poked and the rubber going in the eye, it might be something that we need to look at. Eric likes to feel things. You know, where some people can play in an isolated visor where, you know, you don't have the moisture. No, yeah, nobody can hit you in the eye, but you're kind of locked behind that mask. Dungy is hes more like Superman. He's got to get out there with the cape and, and leap tall buildings with a single bound. I'm not sure he could play with a visor. He, he, he likes it natural too much. <laughs> Probably something we're not going to see, if I had to guess, but uh, don't be surprised, and at least uh, it's an option and something worth asking and worth considering. If you'd like to chime in with your Joe Morris memories, those are welcome at 4 ESPN 44. Steve in North Syracuse on the line. Hi, Steve. Well, uh, the first thing I remember is that Art Monk was our tailback uh, when Joe first entered the game. I think it was uh, uh, late in his uh, freshman season uh, uh, and uh, uh, and he he actually it wasn't the last game it was like the second half and yet he ran for so many yards he gained a thousand yards as a freshman and uh, that's what moved Art Monk to wide receiver. And I was about to say it couldn't have been that late in this it couldn't have been that late in his freshman year yeah. because he ran ran for a thousand yards but uh, mm-hmm. yeah it's an interesting. Interesting observation. You know, White uh, White Plains product there. Art Monk was obviously a, a running back first. The the, the u- uniform numbers kind of tell you that forty five. Yeah, and, and also uh, uh, I remember the first game at the Dome, Miami of Ohio, nineteen eighty. Miami of Ohio had a, a guy. I think his name was Hitchens. Made an eighty eight yard run all through the Syracuse defense, and we were all down and sad because because uh, we'd given up this big play. So Joe takes the kickoff and goes 95 yards for a touchdown. And I think that, uh, throwing out the conversion, I think those were the longest 
consecutive uh, plays that, that I've ever seen in a football game. And uh, you know, he, he was just—he was short, but he was powerful, and he was so fast. He's one of these guys where a guy up ahead of him could have an angle on him, and that guy was irrelevant because Joe was blowing right by him. And it was uh, not only amazing to see a five-seven guy have such success at SU, but then go on to have even greater success with with the Giants. Uh, I've, I've been looking at some statistics about the. Connecticut game. One of the things they say about Connecticut is that they they've given up more ten, twenty, and thirty yard plays than anybody in the country. So you can get play, big plays against them, and that's something we really haven't done a lot of. The uh, the issue offense has actually scored seventeen touchdowns, and nine of them have been uh, within the ten yard line. Two of them have been from ten to nineteen yards out. Six of them have been 20 or more, but the longest of those was the one against Wagner to Nakeem Johnson, which was a 28-yarder. We've kind of grounded out so far, and I'm not sure that the better teams will play later will allow us to just grind things out the way we've been doing. And I think we need to develop more of a big play offense, and this might be a game to start to do that. I 100% agree. You know, we got in the locker room after the Florida State game, with Coach Babers and a little bit of a behind-the-curtain thing here. What happens when I first walk in there, he has just done his speech deal, and then we walk out the locker room, down the hall, which is 10 feet, into uh, the back kind of coach's area there, and he tends to, in the first couple minutes, kind of compose himself and look over the stat sheet and that type of thing, and a lot of this is news to him. You know, he he's not he's so locked into winning the game and everything else that he doesn't he couldn't recite the stat sheet post game like uh, some of the rest of us could. And you'll notice in a post game interview, he even asked something like, "Did we intercept them?" Or you know, which obviously they did on on Saturday. But one of the things that stuck out to me, and we discussed before we started the post game interview, is that game was won and pretty handily won and in command or you know in hand the most of the day or certainly since the early third quarter on without really any big plays Jamal Custis dropped that shot up the right sideline in the first half and the I want to say the longest pass play I don't have it right in front of me right now was 16 yards you know for the rest of the day they had uh, one long run by uh, Jarvion Howard really weren't a lot of those now I think you can make the argument either way that uh, whether that's good or bad, but I, I do agree with you, Steve, that you're going to have to have both. You need to be able to grind it out, and you need big chunks, and uh, th- this is a good game to see if some of those emerge. Thank you. Yep, that's uh, Stephen North Syracuse. Appreciate that. Joe Morris, my understanding, was the state sprint champion in Massachusetts. And the next sprint champion that Syracuse had from Massachusetts on the football team was Ryan LaCasse, who was a defensive head, which was always something we uh, used for Ryan as kind of a, a claim to fame. That dude could really run, too. He's just a much bigger player than uh, than Joe Morris was. When Coach Babers talks about the running backs, I can't quite remember this. What's he say the average per carry should be? Like, well, I mean, that's they, they, you're that bar is pretty for... low, except that you're looking for consistency. I mean, he wants to have somebody average four and a half yards per carry, which is not really that standout except and I'm sure you're going to tell me that, that Joe, Joe did that. Joe averaged 5.3 yards right. for his career. So that doesn't sound like it's that you know, but it's 
that's for every carry. And he had way more carries than anybody else in, in program history. The sustained excellence for Morris was incredible. Now, Ernie Davis and Floyd Little and Jim Brown, they all had just ridiculous yard per carry numbers. I think Ernie Davis had a season where he ran for six and a half yards per carry, which is uh, astonishing. But even five, you hand the guy the ball yeah. twice, you get a first down. Correct. <laughs> so, well, that's know. the old story that I tell all the time. One of my favorite Coach Max stories uh, is it's Joe Morris up the middle for seven yards, Joe Morris up the middle for eight, first down, Joe Morris up the middle for six, Joe Morris up the middle for five, first down, Joe Morris up the middle for seven. And then Coach Mack, who never wore his headset, grabs a headset from somebody and he yells up to the offensive coordinator, who at the time was Jim Tressel before his days at Ohio State. Hey, Jimmy. Yeah, Coach. We have any more plays? Sure, Coach. We got lots of them. And as soon as they stop this one, we'll call something different. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how good uh, Joe Morris was. You knew he was coming. He was so fast, so shifty. That kickoff return that uh, Steve alluded to. You don't have the number one running back running back kicks anymore and modern uh, college football, but uh, very cool stuff. All right, time out here. We'll get into a couple of odds and ends. We'll do Do We Care with Tommy and then some, and then we'll get to Randy Edsel as we continue In the Booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth, uh, one of the things we were talking about with Joe Morris and yards per carry, and for that matter, Connecticut's a porous defense, young defense. It's had a tough go of it so far this year. If you uh, put those two things together, you'd love to have a back run for five yards a carry. So far this year, Connecticut is allowing opposition to run for 7.9 yards per carry, which is uh, incredible. Connecticut itself, the offense isn't horrible. 4.9 yards per rush, uh, 5.5 yards per play. And, uh, the UConn defense, though, is allowing opponents nearly nine and a half yards per play. That's why when we gave that stat yesterday, and Steve made mention of it, uh, they've given up more 10, 20, and 30-yard plays than anybody else in the country. Well, an average play against them is nine. You know, So to get, get 10 or more um, for first down yardage is, uh, is the next level, and that's uh, so far, Connecticut has really struggled defensively, but they do practice, and we will see what they've got when they come in. We'll actually have to look at their – Health report will be one of the most important things. Marche Terry, a redshirt junior. Omar Fort, a sophomore. These are starters that are not freshmen. A couple of the ones that they have, but they both have some injury concern going into the game Saturday. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Don't care anymore. John Bones Jones, the UFC fighter, whose two brothers went to SU and played football at SU, Chandler and Arthur, He's eligible to return to the UFC in October after a 15-month suspension with from uh, substance abuse uh, in the UFC. Yeah, I hope he's all right and ready to go. He's obviously a tremendous fighter, but he's had some issues here with uh, PEDs and, and other uh, drug use and missteps. And uh, hope he's clean and, and ready to, to rock and roll. I don't particularly uh, partake of the UFC very much at all, but uh, happened to see Arthur the other day, kind of walking on the street here downtown, and uh, Art and Chandler, good guys, never uh, ran into to, uh, John Bones Jones, but uh, he's clearly a stud, and hopefully he is uh, back and as good as he was and clean. One of the best to ever do it, so hopefully he does come back, and it would be a huge uh, for the UFC just to have him back. He's a, he's their star. He's their, their number one guy, so huge 
if they can get him back and, and healthy and ready to uh, be consistently in the UFC. In other news, Marine. I, I would not like to no? be punched by any no. of them. No. Any no, of them. not one of them. They're all big dudes. <laughs> Huge guys. Yeah. Maroon 5 has been chosen to do this year's Super Bowl halftime show. Paul, I, I could have swore you were a Maroon 5, Maroon 5 guy. There we go. See, only Maroon 5 Harder song to I breathe, right? Yes. So, yeah, I think one. this yeah. was their first single and their only one. There's like 15 of them in the system, so we must play them. But They've I, had other singles, I think. There's yeah. at least a couple others. Well, they've got 15 that were radio played, okay. so okay. I... I would know a couple more if I heard them. But yeah, that's a good uh, safe play. It's amazing that people react like, what, no Atlanta rappers? Are you kidding? Like, Do you understand who the NFL is and who they've been uh, booking here? In re- that's a remix of one, it sounds like, unless you're speeding it up. No, that's uh, it. Okay. You didn't no. think Migos was going to get the gig? Who, Migos? <laughs> no, uh, I Future? Mean, yeah. Some of who? These, yeah. I mean, I've heard... I'm aware of the the existence of those acts, but uh, the NFL is not going to push the. That's why you're typically you're getting Rolling Stones and Springsteen, whatever, and, and in many cases, well after the prime of a lot of those acts. Uh, Justin Timberlake, those things are safe for the NFL, and they're going to go with safe. It seems like the band Maroon Five was almost created to perform at the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, like they're be, per, they're perfect for that gig. They will work for people. They're uh, easy to listen to and. I would have liked Nickelback. Nickelback. <laughs> Can I say this? And, and I'm not. I love. Don't, don't make a promo. I'm just like the. I'm like stamping. <laughs> don't this. don't make a promo. Fine. Uh, <laughs> what? What's wrong? Like, I. You're, are you, not, you're, you're taking it, your music too seriously, right? What is? What is the beef about? Like, you're not going to get an argument from me. I guess I why is it a punchline? Is what I want to know. I don't why have the answer for that line? either. I don't know because their music crosses over. They come out trying to be hard, and then oh, they, they make right? top forty. Okay. All right. The Colorado mascot got into some trouble on his own. He actually he went to go shoot the T-shirt gun and had it pointed the wrong way and shot it back at him in the spot that you don't want it shot back at you. Yeah, that's uh, – I have seen that video. That, you think, would be one of the key things when you do have the T-shirt gun in your hand. <laughs> Make sure that it's shooting in the – Right direction. It did not look good for. But how did the trick? Right. Like how? Do, like the trigger is the opposite way. Yeah, if you're I don't. Holding I it. have no idea. Like he so must have pushed it, or he, he could didn't. Have he set up? Didn't know what he was doing. But could it backfired? Colorado? No. I, I thought at first it was recoil. Sure. But there can't be a lot of recoil on those things. And Colorado should stick to the live mascot. They had Ralphie, Ralphie Bevo. That those should be the mascots. I don't need some goofy. Yeah. Bevo's back in the uh, in the booth broadcast. I uh, yeah. I've got a um, cannon story that uh, I bet you do. Dave Pash and Dave Hammond were calling the SU games at Madison Square Garden, and we were up in the elevated platform at Madison Square Garden, about halfway up, and the cannon was shot and hit Dave Hammond squarely in the face. I mean, this is the from court to halfway up the garden. Hit him so hard it knocked his glasses and his play-by-play headset off of his head. So those things aren't just coming out. Well, they like, do have a lot of for- – you look at how far they're throwing these T-shirts yeah. or in some cases hot dogs. There's a lot going on there. I was at a charity golf tournament fundraiser thing a while back, and they this is a few weeks ago, and they had one of these deals, CO2-powered, that shot your golf ball 380 yards onto the green. Wow. Now, it wasn't that much fun because it – the ball is small enough to begin with, and it did it in such a way that it like, looked like the ball was pulverized 
you you would eventually find it up there, but you couldn't see it go there f- that far. So uh, pretty cool. I still think those things. I, l- let's not give a reason for those to not exist in stadiums because I think they add a lot. We're gonna uh, have to ban for those. fans and stuff. Let's not waiting let's not period to buy a yeah right <laughs> a t-shirt gun. Just you get a hot dog. Put an arrow on it. Make sure it's pointed the right way, not uh-huh. at your nads. You get a hot dog shot at you out of one of those cans. Are you eating it? Not a chance. Uh, they're gross. They wrap them up and well, like, it's been sitting around. And, yeah, yeah, not not a chance. <laughs> the Chiefs do that. At I'm their not games. a huge I'm not a huge hot dog guy to begin with, but then it's been, you know, the fact that they they took the first hot dogs that were made at 6:04 and wrapped them up. Those are the ones that go in the uh, the <laughs> yeah, t-shirt cannon that are shot out in the seventh inning. National Pepperoni Pizza Day today, which to me is just like padding the stats of these nat- national days. It was just National Cheese Pizza Day, like. A week and a half or two, two weeks ago. Day. Give me a break. Pepperoni pizza. Not each it. kind of pepperoni, each kind of pizza deserves its own day. Randy Edsel coming up next in the booth, ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. We are back in the booth on ESPN Radio here in central New York, the Orange and Connecticut tomorrow at 4 o'clock. That means the return with UConn of a former Syracuse player and assistant coach, Randy Edsel. You can see uh, the story that Nate Mink is running at Syracuse.com right now, an extensive time spent with Coach Edsel going back in time on what it may have been like had Edsel been given the job following Coach Mack instead of Paul Pasqualoni. And certainly Edsel has nothing to be ashamed of in the career that he has had following Tom Coughlin primarily. Boston College, Jacksonville, then, of course, his own head coaching positions. Very successful at UConn, really for the first time ever in their modern football history. Off to Maryland, back to Connecticut with a stop in the NFL in between. And the last time that Randy Edsel was here in Syracuse and somebody was being honored, it was his wife. Eileen was a basketball, volleyball player at Syracuse, a letter winner of distinction. And on that day, Randy was here for the ceremony the night before and couldn't stay through the game as the current college head coach at the time, because there is no in-person scouting in college football. So while his wife was being honored by walking out onto the field at a Syracuse football game, Randy couldn't stay this time when he'll be around a former teammate and the guy who was a player here when Randy was starting his coaching career as a graduate assistant under Coach Mack in the early days, uh, late 70s into the early 80s. Certainly Randy Edsel familiar with Joe Morris. And Joe Morris will have his uniform number 47 honored at the Carrier Dome on Saturday. This time, Edsel's bringing his team and gets a front row seat. First of all, I think it's long overdue. And it's good to see that the uh, university and the athletic department uh, is recognizing him because um, – you know, I, you know, you talk about a guy who epitomizes everything that you want in a person, as a player, and somebody who gave everything that they had for Syracuse. Um, you know, it's a well-deserved honor and just, um, you know, happy to at least be in the building when that happens because Joe was, was a teammate and, and is a great guy. And, you know, I, you know, pound for pound, I don't know if there's ever been a better back in college football than, than Joe Morris. I mean, from the opening game at home when he hit his – shoulder and there was no pads on the side and he hit the concrete wall to I think running for 252 yards when we went to Kansas and and uh, the numbers that he put up and to be the uh, leading rusher in Syracuse history says a lot because of the great ones who 
who have come through there. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just happy for Joe because I know what kind of a person he is and the quality of person that he is. And to, for him to have that happen, um, it's great. But, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm just glad that I can be there to, to see that happen. And you know he won't say boo about it, which is kind of the interesting part and, and maybe one of the reasons that it's taken this long. He's such a humble person. Yeah, he, you know, that's the one thing about Joe. Joe just worked, you know. I mean, he had a drive and he had a, uh, a, a will about him to be the best he could be, you know, day in and day out and very, very competitive, hated to lose. And, um, you know, you're just, just, you know, happy and proud for him because of the career he had, not only at Syracuse, but in the NFL. And um, to be so recognized, like I said, is long overdue and uh, couldn't, couldn't happen for a better guy. Randy Edsel is our guest, a UConn coach with lots of Syracuse connections. You're a former Orangeman yourself, so is your wife. And on your staff, maybe you can give us an update about Terry Richardson and uh, Frank Joffrey, who's a Canastota native and a CBA product. Uh, how are those guys coming in their coaching careers? Well, you know, Terry, I recruited Terry to go to Syracuse, and um, and then he's coached with me, you know, for, for many, many years, you know, here at Connecticut, down at Maryland, and now back here. And, uh, you know, Terry is, a, is an outstanding person. He's an outstanding coach. And when you just look at some of the guys that he's coached uh, along his way, and especially, you know, here at UConn, the backs that we've had, um, you know, he just does an outstanding job. And does a really good job recruiting down in Florida where he's from. And then, you know, I was able to bring, uh, you know, Frank Joffrey on uh, uh, this year and uh, CBA, you know, guy and then uh, played at Syracuse and having the experience that he had with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he's made our offensive line, you know, a lot better and just a great guy, you know, to be around and very knowledgeable. The kids like him. Um, so again, I'm, I'm blessed. And then of course my son went there for a semester and played for Doug. Um, and then my wife, you know, is from there. So, you know, a lot of good memories, you know, and again, good people that, uh, that I've associated myself with here on my coaching staff who are making tremendous contributions to what we're getting done here. Exciting stuff. And I, I know, and it's well chronicled, you knew what you were getting into coming back to Connecticut. You were very successful there in your first run, won a lot of games, went to bowl games, can you put a handle on in what ways it's different and how you're going about it here? Well, we're, we're you know, we're really young defensively, Matt. I mean, uh, when you take a look and, uh, you know, the number of freshmen we have and sophomores we have we're playing, we're probably going to be younger this week than we were on all the three games prior to. So. <laughs> but, uh, you know, hey, it is what it is. We only have – we only have three scholarship seniors and we only have, uh, we don't have very many, you know, scholarship juniors. And, um, so again, we have to, we, you, you play the cards you're dealt. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where I knew, uh, didn't know originally, but after I got here, I said, you know, this is going to take some time again. It's like what I went through before. You know, the thing that's different is we were making the transition before and we were able to ease into some things because of a schedule, but now, uh, you know, the American Athletic Conference is a very good conference from top to bottom, and then the number of Power Five teams we're playing, like Syracuse and 
those teams, uh, you know, makes it uh, makes it a little bit more difficult. But again, what we have to do is the kids are working, they're working, they're getting better. And what we got to do is we just got to continue to recruit and, and do the things that we did before. And you do that, and you know, this is a program where you got to develop kids. You know, D- you know, like Dino. Dino's in his third year now, so you can start to see some of those kids that he had. He's developed, and it's the same thing that happened for us. You know, here before we had a lot of kids and. Uh, that we developed and, you know, we had 26 guys in the NFL active back in like 2011. And those are all kids that we recruited. And uh, so, again, it's just, you know, people always want instant success, but if you're going to do it the right way and, and you want something to stand the test of time, you got to do it brick by brick and you got to go through the process. And some people don't like the process nowadays because of everybody wants instant gratification. But as long as I'm the coach here, we're going to do it the right way and we're going to build it and do it the right way. And then hopefully when we do that, then whoever takes it over can sustain it and so we don't have the issues that we had uh, this time around. Sure, love it. Two more quick ones. Uh, and by my count, it's seven freshman starters on defense, which would explain a lot. On the offensive side, you clicked this last game, put up uh, more than 500 yards. Quarterback is clearly a dual threat, throwing for over 300, running for about a buck thirty. What do you have there? And you spread the ball around, too, nine different receivers in the game. Yeah. Um, John Dunn, our offensive coordinator, who I was with, at Mar- he, I had him at Maryland with me, and then I got let go there. He went to Chicago Bears for two years and, um, and then was able to hire him back last year. And he's just done a really good job of putting the pieces together, utilizing our, our talents the best way that we can. And uh, we have a system where David Pendell, our quarterback, is uh, – has been executing at a very high level. Uh, he does give you that option where he can run the ball and he can throw the ball, and that's what we need to do to be successful. And the more that we can spread the ball around Matt to different receivers, it puts a little bit more pressure on the on the defense where they just can't gang up on one or two guys. And Kevin Mensa had a good ball game and has the ability to run the football. So, you know, the more we can do like that and execute at a high level and spread the ball around and keep everybody involved, involved you know, the better opportunities we're going to have to be successful in offense. Pendell and Mensa both over five yards per carry last week. And the last thing, Coach, just what you see when you size up Syracuse. Well, you know, I see an offense that's uh, performing at a very high level. They really love to run the football, and I think their offense is predicated on running the ball. They give you a lot of different – they give you different looks. They play at a very fast tempo. Um, quarterbacks, you know, both of them are playing very, very well. Eric Dungy uh, and Tommy DeVito. So there's not much difference there if one one is in over the other. Um, and they got a, they got a number of running backs and receivers that can hurt you. So you know you got to be very disciplined in in what you're doing and how you're defending it. And then defensively, I think they're they're led on defense by their defensive line in terms of how they rotate guys in there and their, you know, what they do uh, up front and the quickness and uh, athletic ability that they have. And then, they, you know, they blitz you. So, again, and their specialists, you know, their special teams, their specialists are very good. Their return guys are good. So we're going we're gonna to have our hands full, that's for sure. And, um, you know, hopefully we can do some things to slow their offense down and hopefully we can make enough plays on offense to uh, give ourselves an opportunity to uh, uh, win a game. UConn, of course, looking for its first road win of the year. And keep in mind, they played a difficult schedule playing Central Florida at home, going to Boise State. They have been run over on their defense, their young defense so far this year. We'll see if the Orange can exploit that. Tomorrow on the show, we'll have Joe Morris himself 
and pick six to give away tickets to the Syracuse-UConn game. Again, that's a 4 o'clock kickoff Saturday in the Dome. Until we chat again tomorrow at 2 o'clock here in the booth, thanks today to uh, Polly, Tommy, all of you for listening. We appreciate it. Show brought to you, as always, by Marriott Syracuse Downtown. We'll see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock, everybody.